Will you outlast your money? Do you stay awake at night worrying about providing for your family? Are you making the right decisions about your investments? There are many life-changing decisions that arise and questions you want answered when going through divorce or after you've received your settlement. This is the Financially Ever After podcast, where you'll hear stories of women like you and get advice from the industry's top professionals. Here's your award-winning and nationally recognized host, Stacey Francis. Relocation issues in divorce are all over the media. Much of this has been spurred on by the recent blockbuster movie out of Hollywood called The Marriage Story. If you've seen the movie, you know what it's all about. But for those of you who haven't, essentially, the couple is fighting over where their son is going to stay, with dad in New York or with mom in California. Our guest today, Sophie Jacoby Parisi, is uh, an expert in this area and has worked with many of her clients on relocation issues and petitions. She's a partner at Warshaw Bernstein and has spent nearly two decades working in the area of law. Before this, she was a partner at Marison Abramas and Khan and actually started her career off at the Legal Aid Society working with children. She comes to this with not only a law degree, but also a master's in social work. And as we all know, well, so much of divorce is all about emotions. And today she's going to take us through the key things that you need to think about if you are wanting to move during your divorce or after. And if you stay tuned to the very end, you'll learn about what are the key pieces and things that you need to continue to learn about to be able to build your case so that you have the best case possible of being able to relocate or the best case possible to fight your spouse if they want to relocate. So without further ado, I'd love to welcome our special guest today, Sophie Jacoby Parisi. Welcome to Financially Ever After. Today, we have our guest, uh, Sophie Jacoby Parisi, and I am really interested in hearing from you. How did you get into this field? Did you think of yourself as a young girl wanting to be a divorce lawyer, or uh, is this something that kind of your path? I mean, yeah. Does anyone? Does anyone? (laughs) Exactly. I can't wait to get married one day and be a divorce lawyer. Um, (laughs) No, I did not want to be a lawyer. In fact, I had friends from college who, and from my, uh, I I studied abroad a semester. I had very ambitious friends through that program who went on to be great lawyers. Uh, They were very focused on law school. And I said, oh, thank God, I never want to go there. Um, But I knew that I liked working with people as a psychology major. I always thought I would be a therapist or a counselor of some sort. And so I ended up learning about this dual degree program with a master's in social work and a law degree. And it took a few years to just percolate in my brain that I came to a place at one point and I said, I think this is the right move for me. And I really believed that I would be a social worker with the legal skills, with the legal knowledge, so that I would be able to counsel people and then say to them, here are your legal rights. That that was the concept mm-hmm. that I was laying out in my head. But of course, law school is three years. My, the MSW program is two. I did them in a combined four-year program on purpose. 
And law school will sort of morph your brain. I mean, you know, it gets you to think about things in a different way. And you kind of come out with all these tools and it's hard to imagine that you wouldn't use them. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's that was sort of how I ended up in law school. My parents were stunned that I wanted to be a lawyer all of a sudden. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, so much of what you do has that social piece as well. I I feel like... um, And what we're going to be talking about today, which is relocation, what is your jurisdiction, there are all of these emotional pieces layered on it of where you came from, where you want to live with your child, and all the different uh, implications that that has, especially if you're going to be going through a divorce. Yeah, or, or a custody case. So, you know, I started my career as a lawyer at legal aid in the Bronx family court. And I represented kids in custody cases, kids in foster care cases and kids who were accused of being juvenile delinquents. And it's the people who work at legal aid are amazing and brilliant. And the people who work in the family court system are, are very passionate and and care so much about the work they do. And I, I loved it. I still think it's, the best job in New York city. It just doesn't pay very much. Mm-hmm. Um, so at, there was a time, you know, after three years there, I felt that I needed to make a change and I knew that I wanted to continue to work for people and probably people in crisis because I'm good at it. Mm-hmm. And I think I'm good at it because I learned so much about, um, working with people who, who in, in all sort of walks of life from my master's in social work, program. There's so much hands-on work there that you do. Mm-hmm. And you know, you learn not to um, not to judge people. You learn to meet people where they are. You learn to separate your own experiences with other people's experiences. And you know, this there's sometimes a uh, a piece that happens in divorce cases where even judges they'll say, oh well when I was a kid or when I was a parent, this is how it was. And our own personal lives have absolutely no relationship to the divorce cases we're doing. Yeah. And, and I know that. And I, you know, I try, I try to remind other colleagues and myself of that sometimes, but I think that has made my, certainly my background with my MSW has made me a better lawyer. There's Mm -hmm. no question. Mm -hmm. And dealing with kids, custody issues, one of the, I think, I mean, the finances are hard, but custody issues, it's a, it can be much, much harder. There is so much confusion about um, whether or not you can take your kids and move. Not only, you know, maybe it's moving three miles away, which is very different than moving 30 minutes away or 300 miles away. When you're thinking about the divorce process and that maybe you want to move back to Ohio where your family is, or you're living abroad, you want to move back to the United States, or you're living here in New York City, but you, you know, were born and raised and your entire support network is back in France. Can you do that? And what are the issues that you have to think about? So the answer is no. I mean, let's, let's just be clear that relocation, which is, uh, I mean, a term of art, but it's a term we use in the court system is 
not automatic. You don't have a right just by virtue of being a mom to take your kids and go back to where you came from, where your support system is. And I think, you know, there's certainly an older generation. I remember talking about this issue with um, my mom and who's in her 70s and um, and some of her friends, and they were stunned. You know, what do you mean? I'm I'm the mom. I should, I should, a mom should be able to go do whatever she wants with her kids. She's making decisions for her kids in their best interest. And, you know, so that's just a totally different generational view, obviously. Um, And so, first of all, I start out, okay, well, I only represent people in New York State. So there are people listening who have, you know, who live in New Jersey or Connecticut. The first thing you have to think about is, well, where do I get divorced? Or where is my custody case going to happen? It happens where you live, not where you work, not where you got married, not where... You know, sometimes you spend weekends, you get divorced where you live. So a relocation case in Manhattan, you know, New York City area versus Buffalo, I think looks very different. And, you know, it's, it would be interesting for you to have somebody who does mm-hmm. a lot of upstate practice because for them, a relocation is more about miles yeah. and counties. Yep. Whereas we're like, oh, well, you're moving from the Upper East Side to downtown. Yep. What impact is that going to have on our lives, right? So we're talking about less than a mile geographically yeah. on this island of Manhattan versus what people need. To, you know, everybody drives and they have to take it's the distance is so different yeah. than, you know, so it also depends where you live in New York State. So I'm going to talk mostly just about New York City experiences in general. Um, And I say this to clients, you know, in my old firm, we had two, we had two cases at different times. One uh, was a a woman who was a post-divorce and she was in a new relationship, uh, but it had been an established relationship with someone who, who also had kids and he had kids in New Jersey and she had kids in Brooklyn and they wanted to live in Staten Island because it was sort of this in-between and they could buy a house and, and have more space. And um, the judge in Brooklyn ruled that she could not relocate from Brooklyn to Staten Island. Okay, that's a relocation that was not permissible. And then we had another case where it was mom wanted to move to Rye. There was one baby. It was, in the, it was part of the divorce, which does have some implications which if you want to talk about the nitty gritty of the law, we can. But um, I remember we had this discussion. Can she really move to Rye? It's, this is a young child. Our client was the dad. He was involved. And, ma- and mom got to move So uh, to Rye. So every- which is much further than the distance between Staten Island and Brooklyn. It depends on who you're talking to. Do you talk, if you talk to someone who does the Verrazano Bridge every day, they might not say that. Yeah. You know, you can take Metro North from Ride to Grand Central, if somebody works near or lives near Grand Central. I mean, it is it is so minute. You have to get so in the weeds on these relocation cases. And what I tell everyone is, is that I know it when I see it. I If you lay out facts for me about your specific relocation case, I will give you my instinct on what your chances are. Uh, you know, yeah. uh, it's never going to be 100% you're going to win. Yeah. And you always have a chance of, of winning. You yeah. know, you're not always going to lose. So what are your chances? And it really is this sort of building block of a case. You know, why are you moving? 
Um, how old are your kids? What is your spouse's relationship with your children? How often are the, the other parent? How often does the other parent see that child? Um, what's their relationship like? Is your child have any special challenges, any gifted, you know, are they gifted and talented in a way that, you know, they need to move to a, you know, people need to move maybe from Westchester into Manhattan because their kids need to go to Juilliard. I mean, you know, there's so many reasons that you, that people move, yeah. but it's not, it can't be just, I'm, heartbroken that I'm getting divorced. I'm, uh, I'm, I didn't work. I now need to work. I, I need support from my family. And we always went to Dayton, Ohio, every Christmas, every summer. And that's where I want to go back. That's not going to cut it. Yeah. But it, you know, I think you, you put a really good point out there that it's not clear. It's okay. not clear. Every case is going to be different. Yes. I mean, that's, <laughs> this is the only thing I can say for sure is that every, and if you ask any matrimonial lawyers who do this kind of work, I think they would say the same thing that, it, you know, you, you always have a chance if you have room to bargain, you know, if you have room to to say if you have money and you have the ability to say, I want to move here and I'm going to I'm going to pay for you to travel to come and come and spend time with our kids. Um, I mean, I had a case where that's what we agreed to and my and my client um offered to rent an apartment near her home for him to come whenever he wanted to be part, part of the kid's school. Because, you know, the thing about parenting for, for our generation, if I can say, and, and younger than us is that moms and dads have, we're all involved Mm -hmm. and parenting isn't just the daytime activity. It's, you know, it's being involved at the school. It's knowing who your kids are friends with. It's being part of maybe the parents association. It's being with your kids at night when they're sick or they have a nightmare. I mean, that's what parenting is. And that's, and both parents want to do that now, you know, our older generation, that just wasn't how it was. And it, and so when you think about somebody taking the kids and living far away, even if far away means Brooklyn to Staten Island or, you know, Riverside to Brooklyn or, you know, Riverside in the Bronx or to Queens, you know, I mean, that's always the question. Like we'll fight in a, in a matrimonial case where we're coming to settle about language around relocation. Well, can you move to Queens? And then, so then there becomes the question, well, is anyone actually going to really move to Queens? And I don't know, maybe someone will, maybe they, you know, when Amazon was coming and was like, well, maybe everyone's going to move to Queens. I mean, you just don't know. Yeah. And that has an impact. But what I'm also hearing you say is that while, you know, there's no clean cut for sure, this is a no brainer, not going to be a problem for you. Um, that you can do things to make sure that your case for relocation, if that is what you want to do, is as strong as possible. So looking at what programs are available for your kids. Are you able to have a nicer home so that the kids don't have to, you know, your boy and girl don't have to share a bedroom because you can't afford it? Um, Are you able to get a much higher paying job that affords them additional comforts? Do they have a support network there of family and friends already um, built in? Um, You know, talking about making it as easy as possible for the other spouse to be able to visit and whether that's paying for an apartment or helping pay for travel costs. It it sounds like you can really do the best job you can to make that case. Doesn't mean that you're still going to get it, but you really need to think this through 
before you just take your child and your husband comes home and you guys are not there and you happen to be in Dayton, Ohio now? So two things about that comment. One is, yes, if you're thinking that this is something you want to do, the, you have to be so specific. It can't, you can't say, well, I might want to move to Miami, but I also might want to move to San Diego. I mean, that that's not going to help you. So, you know, you have to be, I want to move to Miami because I used to live there. I can get a job there again with my employer. It's going to pay me X amount of dollars. I can move in with my sister for, you know, two years. She has an extra three bed. I mean, whatever it is, you just need to get yeah. Super specific. My kid would go to this school or to this school. The pediatrician would be this person. You know, if my child's in soccer, this is the program that he or she would be. I mean, you have the more specific you can get, the the easier it begin it begins to become for the lawyer to think about even can this be a case I can put together for you? Yeah. And I imagine easier for the judge to picture when you have such specifics of this is what their life is going to look like. And we have the school, we have the after-school play group, we have the all ready to go makes that leap to say, yes, feels like it would be a shorter leap. The more specific you are. Yes. And also if you're actually in a relocation trial, you're probably going to end up with some experts about what does it look like to live there? What's, is the school great? You know I mean? Whatever the the reason is, I, I, I think I just want to say, um, when you're thinking about a relocation case, there is sort of a difference between when you're doing it. So if you're doing it as part of a first initial custody case or divorce, then it's considered as part of a custody, it's a custody component. Um, If you're doing it after you've gotten divorced and now something's happened and you want to move, then you, then there's something called the, the Tropea case. It's Tropea v. Tropea. And there are all these factors that a court can consider. So that Tropea can be helpful because it gives you all these very specific factors that a court has to consider. So it's like it helps you lay out your plan. Yeah. But Tropea doesn't have to be considered when you're doing the initial custody piece. It's not. Tropea is for a post-divorce relocation. Okay. We, we hear these horror stories, you know, sometimes in the paper, in the news, about children who are, quote-unquote, kidnapped. And uh, maybe they go to, I don't know, uh, Egypt with dad to visit his mom and, you know, his, his mom and dad, their grandparents, and they're going for spring break and the kids never come home. And dad now has them in Egypt. And I picked Egypt because I know that with, and and maybe you can talk a little bit about the Hague convention and, you know, there are certain, certain countries that are part of it and, and certain countries that are not, but what can you do if that happens to you, that your spouse takes the children on what you think is just a normal trip to see grandma and grandpa and uh, doesn't come back and keeps them there? So the hate convention is, um, you know, this, and I'm not a Hague expert. So, you know, there are several lawyers who do almost only Hague, Hague work. Um, the idea of a Hague case is that you're having a dispute over where the case is going to be, your custody case is going to be uh, decided. So if someone goes to Egypt, and I don't know if it's a part of the Hague, um, but let's assume it's England because it is part okay. of the Hague. So let's assume, <laughs> let's assume it's England. Then um, you're going to have 
you're going to have to file a Hague application to get jurisdiction back in New York. So let's say, you know, you're a Manhattan resident and one parent doesn't come back from a vacation. At your home state, your child's home state is New York. The jurisdiction's in New York. Mm-hmm. There are exceptions, of course, to who has jurisdiction. So you're going to have to hire, I mean, it's going to be expensive. You're going to have to hire Hague lawyers to file in England. And it's sort of, it can be a race to the courthouse. Um, because if some the person went to England because there's domestic violence issues, then they may file there, right? So it really depends on what's happening. If mm-hmm. you're if it's doing if you're doing it because there's a custody dis, true custody dispute that doesn't have any domestic violence to it, then that's a little bit different. But I think all of those cases are more about control, right? Mm-hmm. So if we're two amicable parents and I want to take my kids to visit my grandparents and and wherever. Even if we're in a dispute, I'm going to probably bring my kids back, mm-hmm. right? Because yeah. Yeah. I understand and appreciate that even though you and I might not be getting along, you're an important person to my kids. Yeah. So, you know, international hate cases are excruciating. Um, they're in federal courts, so they're in a different court system in our country. And um, the fight isn't about, at the end, it's not about who's keeping the kid. It's where's the custody fight going to take place. And then once the custody fight, and then it's about who's keeping the kid. Right. So there's even two in which I can understand the dollar signs racking up. Right. Exactly. So how do you protect if you're, if you're nervous that your spouse might take the children and not, not come back, whether it's, you know, a, a trip we were talking before about, um, a case where, you know, one of the spouses is just interested in trying a country out with the kids to see if it's something they would be interested in, in living there. What would you say if, if you hear these words out of your spouse? So, so whenever that happens, someone says to me, well, I'd like to just move to, you know, anywhere outside the jurisdiction to give it a go. It's like, well, what's going on here? What there's obviously more happening. Mm -hmm. Um, So, so let's just talk about the home. So first of all, jurisdiction is in New York. Um, if you've lived here for six months, this is the kid's home state. So if you've lived here for six months, this is now, so the, the divorce action would then take jurisdiction occur in New York. A divorce action, you need different residency requirements I mean, okay. for being really specific. Okay. But um, but if you're doing a custody case. For custody. Yes, for custody, okay. it's six months Great. or more. Again, with a few exceptions. So I'd see this a lot uh, in when I worked in the Bronx, where there would be a foster care situation and the kids had lived in a, in a different state. And then somebody was asking New York to take jurisdiction over kids who hadn't lived here for six months on an emergency basis because there was something happening at at that time. Uh, You know, then they couldn't, they needed somebody to take responsibility for these kids. So there are exceptions to it. And and I saw that a lot in in the foster care system. Um, And sometimes in custody, it will happen too, especially if it's like across the country, you know, sometimes it's like, well, we live in New Jersey, but we want New York to take emergency jurisdiction. It's like, mm. not happening. <laughs> New Jersey is not very far away. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it depends, you know, I mean, every case depends. And so, and, and I'm just going to stop you. Quick question. Why would you want to have jurisdiction in New York or New Jersey 
or California? Is it because there are different laws? Are there, you know, what, what, what would behoove you to want jurisdiction in one state over another? Well, if you want to live in California, we were talking about the marriage story. Yeah, the movie, yes. In the movie. Um, then she made, in that movie, the mom made, a, um, Scarlett Johansson, made a, an affirmative decision to hire a lawyer in California and file for divorce in California. The issue in that movie, to me, from my perspective, and I think probably a lot of lawyers, is I don't think that California had jurisdiction over either one of them. I don't think yeah. she had a, I don't think she had lived there long enough. And I don't think that they had a home state jurisdiction over their son. And Ray Liotta, who plays a lawyer, um, the dad, Adam, the, the actor, Adam Driver goes to see Ray Liotta and Ray says to him, go get your kid from school and go back home to New York. And I was thinking, yeah, that's, that's what, what you, you should do. do. Yeah. How are they there? How, who does, you know, and, and it's a little vague in the movie. I think they do try to if you remember, the, at some point, there's some discussion about how their son is enrolled in school and the dad had consented to that. So that's something that, you know, if somebody is thinking about this and their spouse says, well, I'd like to take a job for a year in California, in California, and I'm going to enroll our son in school there. And it's just going to be for a year. And I promise I'm going to come back. And even if it's in writing between them. It doesn't matter because if in six to eight months or a year later, that parent and that kid have established a life there, California is going to take jurisdiction. Yeah. I mean, they just are. And at that point, you know, the, the concept of home state is, is not a bad one. It's that if I'm a judge and I have to make a decision about a kid and who's where the kid's going to live, who's going to make decisions for this kid. I want to have access to all these, this kid's life. I want to know what school he goes to I want to know um you know what activities he's in yeah. where he's living you know is if we have a medical issue that the pediatrician's there that I'm not doing this from afar that the yeah. people who need to be involved in this case are close that's the idea yeah. you know I, I watched the movie and it's interesting because as you're watching it there's no clear hero or victim it, they're they're both you know they, they're both doing things that you're kind of like oh that's not so nice that's not so nice either but with scarlet it seemed as if this is something that she had premeditated that she was going to go back into work she got this opportunity mm-hmm. set it all up that we're just going to do this while i do this it was a tv pilot that she was doing and here she is being there, I don't know how many months, and then starting the divorce action there. It was really hard for me to wrap my head around how those number of months, that short period of time, whatever that was, compared to how long they had lived in New York. I mean, the kid was born and bred and raised in New York. And by what she did within a couple months, was able to erase all of that. Mm-hmm. So I completely understood what the husband was saying of, but we live in New York. We live in New York. And I could see both arguments that she very much wanted to be with her family and was able to get a great paying job, able to live with her mom so she didn't have housing costs and mm-hmm. all these things. But here's dad saying, but wait, I my, my job's here. We have a theater company. We have a, a 
apartment. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, our whole life, our whole fabric is here. And how in the end, in the movie, and I'm going to give a spoiler alert, <laughs> most likely every person listening to this podcast has seen this movie. So I'm not too too worried about that because, uh, you know, you've probably seen it. You know, they, they get essentially Scarlet gets to stay well, he, with, he with her son. He concedes. Yeah. He concedes because, I mean, let's let's play it out a little bit because if somebody is in that situation and they've let it get that far, then, you know, Ray Liotta's advices go back, go get your kid and go back to New York. But the other advice is talk to someone in New York, talk about what it means, what should you do, what steps should you take? And it ultimately, I mean, you may have ended, he may have ended up in a jurisdiction fight. It's a little like concept of the Hague, except less extreme. You're paying two sets of lawyers and you're having a duke out first of where is this even going to take place? Yeah. And that, and that's expensive and emotionally draining. And then you've got this kid in the middle. And I think the idea, my, my instinct is, you know, Noah Birnbaum, I think is the writer, that he wanted to send a message that he, as the writer and the parent who had lived through this, you know, was conceding um, and capitulating to her because it was really, that was the best thing for their kid. He didn't want to put this kid through a fight about where the fight's going to take place and then have a fight, a custody fight, you know, because let's say that Scarlett had been told, no, no, you have to do this in New York. Then they then they would have had a relocation trial in New York and she would have made all of her arguments as to why California was the right place for them. Yeah. And she maybe she would have won. So, you know, I mean, who knows? I, I think that was the point. You, at least, I mean, maybe I'm reading into it a little too much, but yeah. I think, you know, that, and that's sometimes when you've let it happen and that's gone on so much, you may end up in a place where you're conceding on something that you didn't really, if you had thought about it, Two years before, you would never have agreed to. Yeah. Yeah. And so the movie really is important because it brings it to home that if you're not getting along in your marriage, you need to be thinking about these things. Absolutely. You can't just keep on putting your head in the sand and making sure that you've consulted with a lawyer. And I feel like there's a a huge myth that if you consult with a matrimonial attorney, somehow you're headed for divorce and there's no, there's no, it's kind of like you're on a one way track and there's no freeway exit exits. I've, I've talked to a lot of women where they're almost afraid to consult with someone like yourself because they're worried that divorce is going to happen. And I I also know that, you know, actually sitting in your office and talking to you means that they have to stand up and realize that their marriage is not going well. And sometimes that's not an easy thing to do and admit. Um, But what my hope, uh, everyone, you know, that's listening today, knowledge is power and what you can share with them to make sure that they have the best situation possible, whether or not they want to move or not, or whether or not they think their spouse might. Uh, knowledge is power. And just as you said, you know, something that someone might have agreed to two years ago, uh, you know, would never have agreed to uh, 
with certain things happening, you're kind of going down that one way path because you didn't get that information and that knowledge. It's so interesting. I know that a call to me or to my colleagues in this bar can be really hard. I mean, I can tell when people call me that it's a scary call. It's probably like if they call you and they realize their finances are a disaster. (laughs) It's a hard thing to acknowledge. No one wants to really talk to us. That's really what this is all about. (laughs) But, um, you know, a couple of things. One is that I do think, you know, I'm married. I, I have two kids like you do. And marriage is really hard. And I tell people that all the time. I also think marriages can survive. So, you know, I have, I have given out names of marriage counselors and then never seen people again. So I don't know what happens, right? I I don't think that, that divorce is necessarily the answer for everyone at all. That doesn't mean that I'm trying to save anything or, you know, that that's, that's, I see my role that way, but I do think that education, and I say this to people a lot, you need a two hour education about what it means to get divorced. That's it. You can never see me again. Or you can, you know, or you can hire someone else or you can just sit with it for yeah. as long as you need to sit with it. It's a little like when I have conversations with young people before they get married, you know, before well, if they do a prenup, some people, same thing. They'll say, they'll call me and they'll say, my dad told me I need a prenup or my best friend told me I need a prenup and I really don't want to. And I'm calling you because they made me. And then, <laughs> and, yep. then um, and sometimes at the end we decide they don't need a prenup or they don't want one. But I, I tell people I will make you a better married person because there is so much about marriage that and having kids together that just doesn't get talked about. Like money's one of them, obviously. Yeah. Um, you know, your philosophy about money, how you spend money, how you earn money, how you how you're gonna save money. I mean, right, if you're if you're not talking about that stuff before you get married, it only gets harder once, once you're you get married. married. And yeah. then once you yeah. throw kids in the mix, forget it. Yeah. Um, and with the kids, same thing, you know, where do you, where would you want to live? Have you thought about this? I mean, I always say that to people when I'm doing a prenup, like, well, where do you guys live now? Where do you think you're going to live? You know, are you going to stay in this area? And some people are very, they know the answer. I mean, we're going to stay in Manhattan for as long as we possibly can. We love it here. Our jobs are here. Our parents are here. We're staying here. And some people say, oh, I don't know. We love to travel and maybe we'll take a year off and we'll go here and we'll go there. You know, so it's a different conversation. Yeah. yeah. It's what's so interesting to me about relocation cases is that in some divorces, it never comes up. Not once. There's contention about other issues and, you know, about money or about, you know, about which therapist this kid's got. I mean, about plenty of other things, but it never comes up because you know, either they live in Manhattan or Brooklyn or, or in Westchester and everybody's just fine. The way it's working is fine. Mm-hmm. And then there are other cases where it is obviously the biggest issue. Yeah. And we are fighting about what the language is, how, what boroughs people can go to. How can you go north of 51st Street? Can you go south of 14th Street? I mean, really nitty gritty. And this is why I always think, you know, about people who practice this work upstate. It's a, t- it's this, it's a totally different, different criteria. Yeah. Completely different. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, and I mean, what I would say is for, you know, everyone listening today, you know, what came out of this very clearly is that this is not simple and that you want to work with an attorney who has tried these cases before that feels comfortable talking about relocation so that they can, similar to what you said of, okay, you know, this is my best guesstimate of 
whether or not this is going to be successful, knowing that that may be right or wrong, but that you have experience, Mm -hmm. particularly with this issue, because it's a very niche, small section of the law. But as you say, while it might not be, you know, prevalent in and appear in certain cases, for many cases, this is the issue. Yeah. It is the most important issue, which I completely get because it has to deal with your kids. Mm-hmm. And so, again, making sure that you're working with an attorney that has experience, particularly in this area. And if it's on an international level, working with someone who really knows the Hague Convention forward, backwards, upside yeah. I mean, down, if you have a right Hague side case, up, maybe. and that you're working with someone who, again, just really focuses specifically on that area too, because that's complete level of different complexity. I mean, yes and no, and it depends a little bit. If you think about someone moving to the West Coast from New York or moving to London, it's almost the same amount of time on an airplane. You're right. In fact, London might be faster. Let me... No, London's a little longer, but that's true. <laughs> so, so it's very you know, close. Right? Right. So, I mean, it's interesting because sometimes it's like, well, how much how much money does it cost to get there? How long is the flight? What is it? What are the yeah. logistics yeah. going to be? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, sometimes I think people think, oh, well, you know, I want to stay in this country, but this is an enormous country. Right. So it's not like, yeah, I live in France and I want to move to Madrid. Yeah. You know, it's um, so I mean, they're really complex. I think the other thing to remember is it's not only so fact specific. You need a lawyer who understands, you know, that there are so many nuances and also who realizes that whoever, whatever judge is going to decide this also has their own, you know, they bring their own values and their own perspective on you know, on what a case looks like and what might work and what might not work. So you, you you need to know who your audience is too, when you're doing this. So understanding who your judge is, right? Because that's going to have an impact. And you can, if you have a custody case, you may be in family court Yeah, doing a relocation case. If you have a divorce case, you're more likely in Supreme. Although, you know, there are reasons that people end up in family court too. So it's a whole cast of characters that you, you know, you need to start to fill in before you can even lay out exactly how this is going to, how this is going to go. We are coming to the end. Anything else that you want to make sure that our listeners know or. You know, I think, I think it's hard. It's hard because you want, I want to be able to tell clients, you know, Oh, well, like maybe this, maybe this is a thing that can happen, but I, I think the reality is that it is really hard to relocate, whether, you know, the pendulum is changing at all. I don't, maybe because people can work so remotely, you know, it really depends. Like we had a case years ago where the other parent was a pilot. And so he was kind of traveling all the time anyway. It's like, well, does it really matter where they live? Yeah. Right. But if like in the marriage story, the guy owns a theater, you know, I mean, he's not leaving. You can't pick up the theater from Brooklyn and put it in California. And that's what I'm thinking. Like, he can't even move that theater. Right. So, you know, maybe in the next generation of of people who have kids, it's going to look different because people's work is so much more fluid. And there's so many people who are working all over the place. Uh, You know, it's sort of an evolving thing on one level, but the bottom line is you get divorced where you live. You have a custody case where your child has lived for the last six months. I mean, that is the two most important takeaways. Thank you. And how can people um, find out about you? Maybe give you a website um, and I'll make sure that we put your contact information 
in the show notes as well. Um, I'm a lawyer at Warshaw Burstein. Emails are usually the best way to get me. Um, S. Jacoby, J-A-C-O-B-I at W-B, Warshaw Burstein, New York.com is probably the best way to reach me. Perfect. And thank you so much, Stacey, for this opportunity. And I'm so glad we got to talk about the marriage story because this yeah. whole piece about her going to California is really... <laughs> <laughs> a piece that I don't really get. And I, yeah. you know, so I'm, I am sort of interested to hear yeah. other people's perspective on it too. And anyone listening um, that hasn't seen it, go see it. And all I can say is make sure you have your tissues. In fact, my, my husband went out to uh, watch a movie with my son and daughter. And I was like, Oh my gosh, I get a date night. So I watched the marriage story myself with a glass of wine and he comes home and my face was puffy and red. He's like, Oh my God, what's wrong? I was like, I watched the marriage story. He's like, was it one of those romantic, sad movies? And I was like, yeah, exactly. I don't know if the romance was there, but um, yeah, needless to say, just be, be ready. And so even the next morning I had to explain um, you know, to the person who I was having coffee with, like, this was crying from last night. I know I'm still puffy. It's from the marriage story. They saw it too. They're like, oh yes, but it's good. It's good. So thank you for being here. Thank you so much. Most relocation and custody cases have a, a very large financial component because many times you're looking at not only where you're going to live, but how you're going to be able to afford to live there please reach out to us and take advantage of our first meeting, which has at no charge. We'll help you better understand what your financial landscape looks like, not only now, but in the future, and what you need financially, not only today, but in the future. Please reach out to us. And we have our contact information in the show notes. You can reach out to me, Stacy S-T-A-C-Y, at francisfinancial.com, or you can give us a call. And that's 212-374-9008. 212-374-9008. Thank you for listening to Financially Ever After, and we'll be back in two weeks. Hi, everyone. This is Sophie Jacoby Parisi. It's been many months since... I sat down in Stacy's office to talk about relocation, to talk about the movie, The Marriage Story, to talk about the custodial and divorce issues that come with relocation. And it looks like a new world. We are still in lockdown, for lack of a better word, because of the COVID-19 pandemic. And we have all been forced to the extent that we have the luxury and privilege to do so, to work remotely, which is fascinating on so many levels because one of the things that Stacy and I talked about was this idea that if someone can work remotely, what impact does it have on a relocation case? So in other words, if one parent could always work remotely and the other parent wants to return home to another state or another city to live near his or her family, what reason is the person who can work remotely going to use to say no? 
So there are lots of reasons, of course. You could say, you know, children are have a community, they're in a school or a specialized school that everyone has their systems of friends and neighbors and medical care providers. And there are, of course, a whole bunch of reasons to stay in one location. But now, with all of us having to adapt so quickly to work remotely, it feels like a relocation case in a divorce case or in a custody case is going to maybe look very different. Maybe not, of course. <laughs> it's hard to say anything unequivocally at this point. But one of the things that I did say in my discussion with Stacy was it seemed that the millennial generation and Gen Z, you know, already want to work from home more. They wanted to before this happened. And that that's going to potentially impact where people live, whether people live in New York City or other cities, or whether they live, you know, more remotely. And I think that that conversation just got so escalated. And it'll be interesting to see where we are in a week, in a month, and in six months. Right now, the New York City courts are still pretty much closed. We can fight, you can get married. The marriage license bureau is open, but we cannot file for divorce as of today. I think things are loosening up a little bit in New York, and I know some states never stopped. For example, New Jersey seems to have seamlessly gone on litigating. But the question for people who are contemplating divorce, contemplating relocation, contemplating you know, moving back to their hometown or a town where they used to work and they can have a job again or changing their children's schools or just finding a new rhythm to life, as many of us are in this time period, what role will this experience have on a custody case, in a relocation custody case? And I have to believe that it's going to have a significant role, that If you can say to your employer, I'd like to work remotely because my spouse wants to move because she got a job or because our kids can go to a better school or a less expensive school in a different town, that your boss may say yes. And that's a question that is going to get played out in courtrooms whenever we can get back to a courtroom. So I thank you for the postscript, for the epilogue. I hope this finds whoever is listening to this healthy and as sane as you can be or any of us can be. And Stacy and her team at Francis Financial, I thank you all for the opportunity to leave more parting words because it's just a new world. So be safe, be healthy, be well, and I will see you when I see you. Thanks a lot. Bye.